Unfederated, a podcast for freelancers hosted by a brother and sister who are polar opposites, but have found a way to make a living doing what they love. Hey, Sarah. Hey, brother. What's happening? I went to three open houses today for no reason. Yeah, in the market for a home? Nope. Hmm. <laughs> no interest. Zero. <laughs> I'm just, it's, what is it like? I don't know. I like going through people's stuff, I think. Right. Is there a word for that? <laughs> for, uh, kleptomaniac. Oh, there um, we go. Yeah, that was it. Burglary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, since my wife is a realtor, she'd really appreciate to know, know that uh, you're one of those people that comes to her open yeah. houses for yeah. I'm like, no agenda. <laughs> they're like, hey again. <laughs> they, uh-huh. they recognize me all in my neighborhood. And um, then they're like, do you want a cookie or a drink? And I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> I'm very annoying. The bottled waters you had last time yeah. <laughs> a lot better than this time. Sometimes I have champagne. Ah, yeah. well, there you go. Yeah. Like you're going to get a little tipsy and then be like, I will buy this house. <laughs> <laughs> Buyer's remorse. It makes sense if you're like doing wedding dresses or something, but it seems like there's a lot of like a lot fewer um, drunk buys probably in the housing. Oh gosh, what's the movie with uh, Paul Rudd about the bromance? Um, <laughs> I love you, man. Boom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, where he the uh, he's going to open houses, just eating snacks and stuff. That's, that's a cute. <laughs> that is like me. I get my neighbors to come. And I, I, to be fair, I try to make all of my friends move into my neighborhood. So I always have somebody in mind, and then I take a picture of the brochure and I send it to them, and I'm like, "We could be neighbors." Champagne glass, champagne glass. Uh huh. Um. So I think I'm assisting. You get some commission for that. I know. I need to talk to your wife about that. There you go. Monetize my weekend activity. (laughs) (laughs) You need a little bit more side gig. Do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. (laughs) That is (laughs) my kleptomania. (laughs) (laughs) It's my illegal activity. Ethos. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Um, well, I would like to report that I am uh, speaking to you today live from a new desk chair. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You you went crazy with your, like, really fancy ergonomic as heck desk chair. Yes, I did. I achieved my... Do you feel better in your own body? Financial goals for 2018, and I'm celebrating uh, with the gift of comfort. And oh God. Uh, just the way anybody would celebrate <laughs> meeting their financial goals. Like, you know, what's on your list, listener? <laughs> Celebrations. Yeah. Fancy dinner, trip, hot air balloon ride. <laughs> no. Desk furniture. <laughs> Office furniture. Um, no, it's pretty awesome. Um, a little, uh, there's some irony to it that the company I bought it from used to be a client. And when they were a client, uh, this is before I was on my own. Uh, when they're a client of a previous agency, there's no way I could have afforded one of their chairs. <laughs> and, um, you know, after a couple of years of real hard work, uh, I, I get get to, you know, slide my tush right in the sweet, sweet chair. Oh, my gosh. Wow. You've made it. I have. Give a shout out to the chair because I haven't made it. And maybe we could really promote them and they could give me one. <laughs> <laughs> Get them as a sponsor of the show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's funny. 
It is the Steelcase Jester chair. Well, I don't want it anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, it was the wire cutter desk chair of the year. I do. I mean, you, I take basically everything that you recommend and do it. And, and then wire cutter. <laughs> yes. And all, most of those overlap, like pretty much like, yeah. completely. Those Venn diagrams are just circles on top of circles. Um, yeah, I had a sense of like maybe three chairs that I thought I'd want from my days marketing, um, a, a retailer. And, uh, then I saw the wire cutter review and I was like, hmm, hmm, man, pro we'll put that in the pro column. Oh my gosh. That's huge. And guess how many chairs I've ever thought about until this conversation <laughs> my entire life. <laughs> well, so I've been using, I had a stool that I kept with my guitar that I would sit in uh, when I play guitar and it's much higher than normal chair height would want to be. Cause you're kind of sitting up, you know, holding your guitar and there's no arms and there's no back and there's no um, padding on the seat whatsoever. It's, it's like just your most like run of the mill stool. And I, I have a standing desk. So most of the time I stand and when I don't stand, I've been sitting on this guitar stool for uh for a couple of years now and it's miserably uncomfortable yeah everything you say about this being a good chair is nothing that's like you've been perching like a like a <laughs> seagull <laughs> for years any chair would have been fine <laughs> you just like to I've sit just been sitting indian style in front of my... oh this lazy boy is where it's at no joke <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I'm pretty excited. What I've discovered is that when I'm really tired of standing, I actually want a comfortable chair to sit in. So, <laughs> unlike most humans or animals, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Well, so on the topic of doing some marketing for people that sell chairs, oh, there's your segue. <laughs> today's episode is about marketing. Oh. We did an episode on contracts a couple weeks ago, which is your jam. It is. And today's topic is more or less my jam. It is. And I'm going to utilize this uh, episode to get a bunch of free marketing advice from you. Yeah. <laughs> and I hope it's, uh, it's applicable to the listeners. So Yes. We'll, we'll try to keep it applicable. <laughs> no, just make it really niche and specific <laughs> to me. <laughs> All of a sudden, you have tons of competition. <laughs> In my exact Squarespace. Yeah, that's fair. Let's make it generic. We'll connect offline for those real <laughs> proprietary marketing stratagems. There you go. Um, those trade secrets. Yeah, because I'm going, I'm like the firm I'm in is evolving and changing face. And there's four of us who are kind of going into this separate iterative firm called SLK Law Group. Right now mm. we have one splash page and we go live January 1. So this is very timely for us. There's four attorneys nice. so far. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so that's a cool, fun season for you and your your collective of attorneys yeah. that, that you work with, which is cool. And uh, timely from the standpoint of uh, you're doing more of this than you normally would be doing. Exactly. This being marketing. Yeah, because our last website... Um, real, real story is currently hacked. So the blog post is all in East Asian characters uh -huh. and, um, and the theme is broken. So we can't actually get in and do anything about it. So I've actually lost one client so far. I hear he emailed me and he was like, like, nice to e e meet you. 
what is the most up-to-date website? Oh. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, like, you know, tried really hard to delicately put, like, yeah, we're just kind of riding this one into the grave, and there's a whole new thing <laughs> happening January 1. But then he never responded, so. Oh, gosh. So you always are fearful that that kind of thing's going to happen. Yeah. But normally you don't have that tangible of an example to point to as, yeah. as it happening. <laughs> I was like, well. You know, it's usually like the fear of the unknown. Like yeah. someone's going to see this and not, yeah. oh, man. It's going to strike them wrong. <laughs> and then I've gotten a couple of phone calls from people who are like, just letting you know your website's hacked. And I'm like, mm. ni hao. <laughs> <laughs> We're opening yeah. our East Asian office. Yeah. I've considered that, <laughs> but um, yeah, now I'm just, luckily we have the splash page up for the new one. So I'm kind of like, we're transition time. Here's the redirect. Um, yeah. But it has, you know, no SEO. Like, what is there a word to say? It has no like street cred. <laughs> you can't find it probably. Yeah. SEO value. SEO value. Hmm. Well, um, well, we'll walk through. So uh, what I do, part of what I do. Uh, when I'm not managing online advertising, having worked uh, for nearly a decade in a couple different agencies, is I will also do some consulting where I walk small business, small medium sized businesses through kind of a framework of of kind of. I mean, honestly, you're kind of creating your brand identity. You're kind of putting together your 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 marketing um, identity through that, and so um, that's kind of what we're gonna do today. And um, about 45 minutes instead of the uh, four hours that it usually takes. Sure. But, uh, you know, we'll make it happen because we're awesome. <laughs> we got this. <laughs> we got this. I've known you my whole life. We can do this so fast. <laughs> yes. Cut to the chase. Uh -huh. um, so if you've taken business classes before, any marketing classes, you may be familiar with the uh, four P's of marketing, uh, which is kind of a, a business school um lesson uh ideology um that's that's existed for for some time now and uh i think it's great it's a great starting point those four p's are product price promotion and place um but i have seen some trends in the way consumers buy and the way marketing has changed in the last couple of years that have caused me to kind of put my own spin on that um, so I have my 6P approach, which is on robbettis.com if you want to read more about it. Um, but we're going to talk through it right now, so you may not even need to. Um, but so we'll kind of just go through those one by one. Uh, kind of the way I approach this um, is that these P's are foundational. Um, the, the order they're in is intentional because I feel like they kind of build upon one another. Um, so. Um, Take that for what it's worth. And we'll start with the first P, which is people. Um, so some of the questions I ask to just kind of spur your thinking and, and give you a second to think through this is, um, who is it that you intend to serve with your business? Uh, what do they value? Um, and if you tell me everyone, uh, I'm going to have a big air horn and I'm going to weren't in the, the thing because that's far and away the most common answer I get from people is, well, really anybody. And um, I think that kind of begs this question, like, are you something to everyone or are you everything to someone, you know? Um, and so although there might be a handful of buckets of, of people that are your people uh, that you intend to serve, um, I think the answer to this question uh, and requires extreme empathy, 
you know, it requires a lot of understanding that if you're saying everyone, perhaps you need to go a level deeper. Okay. I bought time for you to think. Yes, um, thank you. <laughs> who, who are your people? Uh, businesses. <laughs> All business now. <laughs> All businesses. Um, so businesses uh, that are uh, shy of having in-house legal counsel um, or so they're not quite to that point yet or they are to the point of having a small legal department, but they have... Um, a good amount of ongoing legal needs, not just because they're a really good client for me, but because they have a lot of work, but because that um, is kind of what I bring to the table more is mm -hmm. just like holistic. I have a really good panel of people who are in specialties. I'm, I try really hard and I do a pretty good job of not ever being like, I don't know, I don't do that. Good luck, you know, like, <laughs> I take it and take ownership of it. And find, if I don't do it, I find somebody who does and I supervise them doing it. And that's the kind of thing that benefits those companies that are on the cusp of having in-house legal departments. Interesting. What, uh, so you're at, typically you're dealing with ownership of the company or in-house legal counsel? Yes. Okay. So those two people. Do you, do you find a difference in what the, do you see a difference in what those two people uh, appreciate or value? Well, it's usually, so I should say legal department might be CFO. It's just sometimes there's just de facto officers or the CEO is doing all of it. It's just whoever it falls to. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, I guess that's like the, the higher level executive or the owner. And what was your question? What is there a difference between those two roles and, and the kind of things that they value? Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the officers, the people who are involved in the day to day and some owners are. Um, so sometimes they're, they're one and the same. But um, when they're not, <laughs> the owners typically want to feel assured that things are being taken care of, mm -hmm. but they don't want to be a part of the Like they don't want to see how the sausage gets made necessarily. Right. Um, where at, so uh, a big thing that relates here that I think lawyers and smaller and, and solo firms, uh, deal with a lot when it comes to companies is the person, if they hire like the biggest law firm, um, out there to do their legal needs, then that officer or owner is off. Well, usually that officer is off the hook. Like they did what they needed to do. They hired the best. Yeah. So if they hire some unknown person then and that person screws up or something, they're not off the hook. They still have to keep managing and you know, seeing if you're doing a good job and stuff. So, so they're incentivized to go just hire the very biggest and best and, and perceived to be best. And then. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's uh, that points directly to something I've I've noticed even in my own personal business that. um businesses and people spend money differently. If, huh. if you're in a B2B world, you know, yeah. if you're selling services to businesses, then um, more than likely you are dealing with either the owner or the employee yeah. and the owner has some autonomy and often depending on the size of the business, will will buy a little bit more like a, like a person, a consumer would yeah. like a person would, but an employee has to, check a box. They have to, they're going to have someone looking over the shoulder. They're going to have to be able to rationalize the decision to whoever manages them. And, and they spend money very differently 
You know what I mean? Like that is very you, insightful. Yeah. You can't, a lot of the like touchy feely brand elements that might make someone persuade a person to pull the trigger on something. And you know, they just got a good feeling about this person. They like this person. Those kind of things go out the window because like ultimately you need to go back to someone and say, Hey, I got 12 prices. You know, these people were the, <laughs> were the cheapest or yeah. these people like could meet our deadline or these people, whatever. And so it kind of like strips away some of, of those elements, um, Hmm. that, that I I think tip the scales for a lot of people. And so, um, for me, like, uh, uh, subcontracting to agencies, for example, I present myself one way. Yeah. And when I, when I actually am working with the owner of a, you know, an online business, um, then I present myself differently because for them, it, like you alluded to, it's usually a time constraint and expertise constraint they're looking to delegate so they can focus on all the other things that they have going on. Um, but if it's, you know, someone in a, in a business setting, they're looking to make an argument that's makes financial sense or makes, you know, insert some emotionless element, um, and making, making sense there. That is something that had not appreciate. I mean, I, I've experienced that, but I had not heard it articulated and it rings really true. And I think, I'm doing a better job of the the stuff that makes the individual feel good. Yeah. And and so like you guys may want to position in assuming the the speaks of the collective mm-hmm. of of attorneys. Um perhaps if that's true of everyone, you might want to make your website more person focused. Mm-hmm. Um but then have some subpages to the side that said, "Oh, we also provide support for in-house legal counsel" and make some pages there that are speaking more to like that person, hmm. you know, like, uh, expand your team, expand your capacity, get, you know, second sets of eyes on things. Like, I don't know, whatever the things are that those people are are seeking to solve. Right. Yeah. Um, you, you might tout your credibility in a different way. Um, and years of experience, whatever. Ooh. So, yeah. Um, second P is position. Um, I think these first two are probably the things that are hardest for most people. Um, because I think oftentimes when you're in the, in the heat of battle, it's, it's hard to have an outsider's perspective or a holistic perspective of your person or your position in the marketplace. But I try to encourage people to to know that perception is reality and that whatever they're perceived as being, uh, from the outside or from the consumer is, is the reality of where they are. So I've gotten a lot of business owners have said, well, you know, this, this guy that's also in my industry, that's doing a whole lot of business, a lot more than we are. He doesn't have as much blank as us. He doesn't have as much experience. His, his, you know, team isn't as qualified. He, he doesn't have the certification we have. Um, but perhaps he's doing a better way of communicating what he does have. And so the difference between reality and perception, you know, shows itself there that you then have to ask, well, does your consumer value that, you know, certification? Yeah. Like, do they, do they care? And if they do, if they're really logical and they do care about, you know, that experience or that customer service or that certification, then like perhaps we're not doing a very good job of communicating that and, and sharing the value of, of that certification more times than not in those situations, they don't care nearly as much as the people in the business do. Right. Like they're either naive to the importance of caring um, or it's one of those things that 
you know, insiders do to puff up their chest <laughs> that outsiders, uh, you know, could care less of, Yeah. um, which I, th- I think we see a lot in professional services world, right? Like, um, I, I spent some time in the construction industry, uh, early in my career and literally every single construction company you'd ever talk to. If you said, why should people choose you? They say experience. <laughs> and like, yes, no one wants to hire someone that doesn't know what they're doing. But everyone says they have experience. Yeah. Next, like what's next on the list? So, um, so what do people think about your organization? What should they think? Where do you fit in? Hmm. Those sorts of questions kind of kind of come to the forefront when we talk about position. That is super interesting, and it's really hard to tease apart what people, how regular, how your target market views things versus just your your own competition and you. Because I I totally see that. With us, I mean, we're all like, well, oh, I'm 40 under 40, super lawyer, rising star, Avo rated 10 out of 10. And like, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> yeah. You know, does anybody actually care? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. And it's hard, like, you know, empathy coming from me in this scenario, it's hard in that situation because you, you know, you schedule an hour to meet with somebody you're sitting down and you're wanting to hear like what they've got going on. And you're going to spend that time after you understand the situation selling yourself, yeah. right? And there's usually not a lot of extra time in that situation for you to get that next level of like empathy of of kind of what they're valuing. Do they understand what you're talking about? Whatever. Right. Because no one wants to, you know, come across as being stupid, right? right. Like they don't want to, they don't want to be you for you or the accountant or the whatever, you know, insert you know, the photographer, the whatever, um, to expose their ignorance about something. Right. And in particular, if you're about to do a deal with them, like, you know, they don't want you to feel like you've got them over a barrel and you can pull the wool over their eyes and, and any other, um, uh, uh, saying that I can throw in there. Um, I, I will say as kind of a warning for most people in this situation, I find that, maybe 80% probably 80% of businesses I would classify personally as like a commodity. And, and I said that because I would say if you put them and all their competition on a piece of paper, there's really very few things to distinguish the differences. Um, you know, uh, we'll use the construction company example, like home builders, right? Like survey the home builders in your town like there's probably, you know, I bet Chattanooga has two dozen of them and I bet they all say the same things about themselves. Yeah. You know, I bet their websites all look virtually the the same, you know, and, and I bet that anyone shopping for them is then having to revert to some other metric in order to make their decision. Right. Yeah. And one way that that could be dealt with differently is if, someone like recognized that about their own business and said, well, we want to position consciously position ourselves differently. Um, and we'll talk about this a little bit more in a few minutes, but in some situations that can be how they deal with your company, right? Like it can be an experiential difference, like, um, what the process looks like to go through the service you provide that in particular, if you have a uh, a business that is providing a, a technical or uh, high, high level of expertise service that like 
like law, I, I don't want to learn law, right? Like that's why I'm hiring you. Right. Um, so the differences of the kind of law you practice and the the kind of law someone else practices. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, I just, I'm not, that's going to be lost on me, right? I'm never going to get that. Yeah. And where you might do a much better job than another person, like unfortunately for you as someone trying to sell your services, like I'm just not going to understand the difference, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so one way to combat that is with some sort of experiential difference. You know, maybe it's the process of which you go through the steps and the clearly defined, you know, phases of the project. And like, it's, it just feels more organized, more professional, more polished, whatever. Um, you know, that's, that's one approach other than leaving out just kind of factors of like reputation or your style, like photographers, a lot of them will have uh, really busy seasons because their their particular style of their photography becomes in vogue, yeah. you know, and then it disappears. And for many of them, they're totally lost on what happened, right? Like we <laughs> used to be really busy doing, you know, formal portraits of people standing next to chairs and cats. And then, all, <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden now people want all these, you know, these crazy newfangled uh, candid photo shots and we can't do that in our studio. <laughs> and so we're just kind of left thinking like, what happened? What, you know, what happened to our business? And so, um, some of that is the position stuff, right? That's really interesting. And y- you just made me realize how I've been thinking about our website is just like basically checking a box, doing the same as everybody else and not getting, you know, n- not accidentally screwing anything up <laughs> so that you can just like eliminate website. <laughs> that is not a consideration. We only have other factors to go on. And um that is probably the safest route, but um really missing an opportunity by the way you just described it. Yeah, it's 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 struggling. I always I, I use my wife as an example for this often because she's a realtor and I, I think you'd struggle to find an industry that's more commoditized than realtors, right? Like mm. they literally all have access to the same data. They literally, you know, like <laughs> yeah. it's everything they do is virtually the same. And yes, you might find someone that just graduated from realtor school that really doesn't know what they're doing versus someone that's done it for, you know, four decades or yeah. something, right? But like it's all shades of gray as far as the differences between. Yeah. Uh, so for, for many of them, it defaults to uh, a third party recommendation or, a, you know, a, being at the right place at the right time kind of thing. And, and I, I think what's hard about, you know, those situations is that's not scalable. Like right. you can't, the right place at the right time is not like a, a scalable model to grow a business on. Yeah. Um, unless you just want to be out there hustling like 24 yes. seven and uh, then, you know, that's, that's a whole nother set of challenges. It's a really good point. Third P, if you understand your people and you understand, uh, your position or you understand the market surrounding you, uh, is promise. Um, I'm a big advocate for brands, uh, and businesses making a promise to their customers. Okay. So if you understand your people and what they value, you understand where your competition is in the marketplace, you understand your strengths as a company, mm-hmm. right? Then um, coming to terms with a promise that you can make to your customer and stand behind is a really succinct way of like shaping the rest of your marketing, <laughs> right? Uh, if, you've, if you've exercised the empathy for understanding the people, if you've exercised the empathy of understanding where you are in the marketplace, then the challenge becomes like, where do we fit into this? Like what promise can we make that solves the problem of, you know, the person we're wanting to do business with that isn't, um, 
clouded or impacted by all the noise of the industry that we're in, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, I mean, that, that makes a ton of sense. I think that the challenge with the promise, um, and I think this is good for, for you guys, like new business uh, you know, folks, freelancers, whatever, um, that's a business too, right? Like um, anyone starting down this road, is that your brand promise takes a lot of commitment because it indirectly communicates what you're not. Yeah. As much as it communicates what you are, right? And so if you're of the mindset that like everyone should do our, you know, everyone should want to do business with us and we're all things to all people. Yeah. Right. Um, then you don't want to, you recoil at the notion of saying, oh, we are this because what we are in this means we're not all the other things. Yeah. Um, and so I've, I've seen a lot of, a lot of businesses, a lot of, uh, individuals struggle with that because they say, well, if, you know, if somebody calls me wanting that, I'm going to do that for them. Right. Yeah. And you know, the, the flip side of that situation is, and I see this online as much as anywhere is that people aren't looking for mass products for, for common problems. They're looking for very specific problems, you know, products for very specific problems. <laughs> and, and so really the world has evolved to, you know, if, if I'm going camping and I need a cooler, there's like 48 cooler companies for me to pick from. Right. Yeah. Like if I want to buy a mattress, much less like buy one online, I have like three dozen online mattress companies that I can do business for. Yeah. And so, uh, all of the marketplace in just about every industry is becoming hyper segmented. And so more than ever, people need to carve out their niche and say, we are a company built for people that that want X and value X. Right. And, and we're not the other stuff. Like we're going to stick our, our, you know, dig our heels in the, in the ground and say, you know, we're going to do this better than anyone. Is there a level of strategy to that? Like if you're trying to be specific or you, I mean, my first inclination is like, find something specific enough that even if it doesn't apply to a potential uh, client, they find it. Um, attractive you know like we're for sophisticated businesses and even if you aren't a sophisticated business you want to feel like you are and so you uh, yeah it speaks to you on that level yeah um i i think that totally makes sense i i you know one point i'll make kind of on, on that same plane is this is almost as much of a value as a gatekeeper for your business yeah as anything because like if you're communicating who you are well I'm hoping, and by doing that, um, it, I'm hoping you do that well so that people that aren't that person will quit calling you, right? Like, right. Um, you don't want, like, you know, I think you, you will face a little of the, you know, people that are reaching in their minds as to who they are or lack the empathy to understand, you know, what, who they are, what their business is. Um, but I think the contrary is, is true too, that you can, you can formulate that as something that says like, we're looking for aspirational businesses along these lines too. And and the nice thing about that is you're saying, yeah, we really would rather work with companies that, you know, have 20 employees, but like if someone had 15, we'd work with them too, you know, yeah. but like we're, we're shooting for 20 that you're not like excluding like the fringe companies, right? Like they're, you know, it's still in your sweet spot, but it's on the fringe of your sweet spot. Yeah. 
And so by crafting that well, and you, you're better at words than I am. Fluent. <laughs> yeah, fluent English. <laughs> um, you, you kind of approach it that way. And, you know, um, I mean, the more niche and the more specific you are, the the bolder you can be with that promise. Hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, finding that sweet spot is, is key. That's interesting because I... Um, you know, when I did my informal research at Denver Startup Week and asked everybody like, oh, do you use Allure and how did you find them and tell me about them? The thing that I kept hearing was like, yeah, they only represent really big companies, but they made an exception for us. Interesting. And I was like, why would you want that? <laughs> but right. then it made me realize that the like, you should not want that because that means that they're going to bill you like you're an enormous company. It's going to be, they're going to over lawyer you probably. Yeah. Um, but if that's what people want, you know. But I'm, I'm guessing the psyche of someone that's doing, doing the whole startup scene is they, there, there has to be a little bit of the um, greater fool mindset, right? The, that's an economic term. Okay. Like they've, they've got to view themselves as the next Mark Zuckerberg. Right. right? Like their business is the next unicorn, Silicon Valley like, you know, yeah. billion dollar exit. And, and so like, they probably want a seat at that table, right? Like, and yeah, their mindset of, of working with these huge firms, they're making exceptions for them because of their rare potential um, is, mm -hmm. is, is probably fits the mold for them, whether that's an honest communication from, from that firm or not, you know, right. Um, the email app I use to manage my email isn't you can't sign up for it you have to be invited oh my into gosh it. and and like right like it's it's the same kind of deal like if, yeah. assuming that these firms are, are not being totally forthcoming and their approach to that but there's something about the exclusivity of that that uh is appealing to the right mindset that totally every time my husband's such a hipster and every time we walk past a really long line he like he looks like what should should i be in that line what are they doing what are they gonna get <laughs> Are they giving out free TVs? Yeah, What's happening? I give him such a hard time about it. I'm like, do you want to stand in that line? It's it's the soup kitchen. Yeah, we can stand in that. It's the hottest soup kitchen. <laughs> um, but yeah, so same same thing. The biggest up and coming soup yeah. kitchen that no one knows about. What's you you hear about the the restaurant? Um, I heard someone talking about this on a podcast today that their phone number is unpublished. And that, like the whole point is if you know the number, you can call and get a reservation. But like it's a complete like underground referral-based system that drives like the exclusivity and the perception of their business, right? Like if you're in the know, you're in the know. Yeah. But like if you're not, you're not. And like every six months they change their number and it starts all over to create this like persona, which I just uh, think is fascinating. It's freaking brilliant. I mean, it's dumb, but it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I mean, 95% of the business owners I talk to would not even remotely have the stones to do something yeah. like that, right? Like, um, so, you know, it helps if you can start there versus, you know, uh, transition into there because yeah. um, you've got less to lose. <laughs> but Fair. So the fourth P is promotion. So now that you know your people, your position, your promise, um, the, the question is, how do you communicate that to people? How do you communicate your message, uh, your promise to folks? That could look like what channels you use. That could look like the words you use to communicate your promise to, the, you know, to your point a second ago. Um, there's a marketing term 
that I'll throw out here to another marketing class lingo. Um, it's called noise. Mm -hmm. And, and so if you were to diagram a marketing message, you know, you've got the marketer who's, whose output is the message and you've got the person being marketed to that, that receives that message and any distortion in the, in the middle, uh, marketers call noise. And, and so what you want to do is, is try to minimize the noise. Cause once you let go of that message and it's, it's, you know, in transit between you and the person receiving it, um, it's, it's, um, subject to some sort to noise. Uh, an example of that might be, um, you know, a funny Super Bowl commercial about a player getting injured. Uh, and it's, you know, has this comical ending and then they try to sell you Doritos or whatever. Right. Well, like imagine that commercial airing as the game cuts to a commercial break because of one of the players just received like a tragic injury on the field yeah. and, and they're, you know, they're going to commercial while the cart comes out to get this player you know, Doritos is freaking out yeah. at that point. Right. Cause like all of a sudden that's not funny anymore. And, um, it's not cause it wasn't funny when it left the marketers, you know, left the marketer, but, but the noise impacted that. And so, um, I, I see a lot of folks, for example, advertising in the same place, all of their competitors advertise or using the same channels and, and all of that can add to that level of distortion and that level of noise. Huh. So what would have, I mean, do you have an example? That's a great example of the Super Bowl that like if you're a professional service provider or you just, I mean, is it that other people are part of the noise? Um, yeah, I think, well, to your question about examples, I'll, I'll use one from, from my real life that just happened yesterday. Uh, a, a company I did internship with in college, mm -hmm. like that I'd, I've never worked with since that summer internship. Uh, was posting some stuff on LinkedIn looking for a developer yeah. for their business. Big corporation, national footprint, um, perhaps international, I don't know. And they're looking for developers on LinkedIn. I happen to know that most developers freaking hate LinkedIn. Right. Right. And and like there's this Slack channel of all the local developers that I'm a member of. There's probably, you know, I don't know, 80 local developers that are in this thing all day long yeah. talking about stuff. And there's a channel in the Slack group that's for opportunities where people that of the chosen people yeah. will post their developer opportunities, you know? And, and so here's this, you know, well-meaning, but perhaps, you know, a little bit uh, aged, yeah. <laughs> uh, big corporation trying to hire a developer, which the, even the job listing called it an IT person. Oh gosh. <laughs> you, you know, looking to hire a .NET developer when you actually look at the description uh. and there's tons of people in this group looking for a .NET. So yeah. those sorts of examples are examples of where you're like perhaps missing a mark and, 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 uh, arguably more importantly, wasting money. Yeah. Trying to share a message with with people that don't care or in a, an environment where you're not being heard. That's a really good point. And, and frankly, directly applicable because lawyers are like all over LinkedIn, but tons of other industries are not. Mm -hmm. And, and so lawyers, myself included, will really like troll LinkedIn and spend a lot of time and energy on it, but that's not necessarily the right. Yeah. And like where your startup clients, for example, are probably all on Reddit. Right. Right. Like they're probably not spending time on LinkedIn yeah. other than to try to get VC funding, which and they're only there for the same principle. Right. Yeah. They're there to meet with VC folks. Um, another example of this might be if you're if you do interior design. Right. Like you probably want to make sure that you're doing 
a lot of your content marketing on Instagram and Pinterest just because it's a better platform for you to share the stuff that you're trying to share. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, you would certainly run into a situation where probably a lot of other interior designers are using that same tool, but, um, being cognizant of the channels you're using to share that message kind of comes into play in that situation. That's a great example. The fifth P is process. I alluded to this earlier that we, we talk about this more. Um, I think there's nothing worse than a, a really polished sales funnel. You know, you go through the process and then you get handed to like the service people mm -hmm. and it's like a completely different world. Yeah. Right? Like they've never even talked to the other people. Yeah. yeah. Like if you've used like big software packages, like they're notorious for doing this, yeah. right? Like you, you have, you invest all this time and energy into some salesperson and they pass you off to the implementation person yeah. and it's like, you're starting over from ground one. Um, ground zero. I, yeah. Ground zero. <laughs> thank you. Um, <laughs> Ground one, it's a little better. Yeah, you know? you, gotta, you, know. <laughs> you gotta even know what that would be. That's like uh, when you're on an elevator and you're like, do I push G, one, <laughs> L, or B? <laughs> like, uh -huh. Put a star in Which next one has one the one star? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, we live in a world now where uh, businesses are held to a higher level of accountability than ever before. Um, everyone has a voice and everyone's voice is just as magnified. Uh, through the, the intertubes, right? The, the internet. I would um, jump in and say that's very true. And the Flat Earth Conference is in town right now in Denver. And that's a great example because in their promotional video, so much people who believe that the earth is flat, it like interviews one of them being like, yes, I think the earth is flat. And then it cuts to, no joke, an astronaut. <laughs> astronaut equal airtime being like nah it's round i've been in space and watched it <laughs> <laughs> so like equal airtime <laughs> for these two individuals it's uh it's an astronaut with a patch over one eye where he only has two di <laughs> two dimensional he's like i don't know it was kind of like a sphere <laughs> it's more of like it's a just round there it's like a plate <laughs> Anyways, I think as a result of that accountability that exists, it is, it's all the more important that your promise, your brand message, your brand promise is, is experienced all the way through the process, right? Like, I don't think you can just say like, hey, we inked the deal. Yeah. So like now we can be crappy to this person and expect for our business to prosper. Yeah. I just don't think that's the thing anymore. Um, and Oftentimes, I think, and I think one of the big challenges in particular for larger businesses is that when you get to the operations folks, they're optimizing the business for efficiencies. But when you're talking to the marketing folks, they have their own set of priorities. And oftentimes that disconnect where you're handed from sales to service is a result of the, you very much feel the difference in priorities between someone who's optimizing for efficiency and someone that's optimizing for, you know, new business. Right. And, and so it's, it requires some give and take, like what happens if the operations people actually have to do things a little less efficiently for the sake of ensuring that that brand promise is seen all the way through the process. Yeah. That's a really good point. So kind of that big picture. And again, here's the process that allows someone with a complicated service to exude an experience that that regardless of the level 
of sophistication of the client, they can feel a difference. Yeah. They can like understand. We we bought um we did replacement windows in our house a couple of years ago. Uh, we had super old windows, old house. And the company that came and did ours, like we got like three quotes or whatever, like did this incredibly well. Like they had the guy that came out, he wore the little booties on his boots. Yeah. Like they went through this whole thing. The whole process is very clearly like lined out. We knew exactly what step each, you know, he had his pitch about the different windows they offered and the pros and cons of each. Like the whole thing was just so ironed out that we felt we left that meeting with a better understanding of what was going on in a world where they're providing something that, again, the average customer probably doesn't understand the difference, hmm. right? Um, you know, other than like using price as an indicator, right? Like we want the middle of the road, right? <laughs> Not the middle priced one. Um, so, anyways, I th- I think that's a um. That's a big one. Um, it reminded me of something that I should have said in the promotion section on the fourth P. Um, I said a second ago that, um, that like, uh, being in the right place in the right time wasn't scalable. And also referral business is, is, I won't say not scalable, but very difficult to scale. Yeah. Um, when we talk about noise, I think that's where the referral business thing comes in because I think when your marketing message is reliant on customer being able to explain that to someone else Mm. you're like three degrees away from having any control over what that message is and so uh some businesses are built on that right and if and if you have a super clear brand promise it increases the likelihood of them being being able to turn around and communicate that well you know if they've understood that but more than likely the story they're telling whoever they're talking to is not the same story that you you know, put on a commercial, right. Or a billboard. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and so that that creates a a threat, right? Like it's, if you're doing the SWOT analysis, right? Like that's, that's a threat. That doesn't mean it's, it's bad. It's just something that's outside of your control. That's a really good point. Yeah. And that's kind of what I live off of right now is referral. And so that's something that really speaks to my situation. Yeah. Yeah. So to, to the degree that we've talked about a lot, being a consumer of legal is a, a very difficult thing yeah. right? because, because law firms are built around making all their employees as efficient as possible, mm-hmm. not providing a good user experience for the customer. Generally speaking, that is true. Not in your case, but like in, in the broad spectrum, yeah. if, if you guys could outline a customer experience that felt uniquely different, yeah, then, you know, then comes into play this, this process piece and something that people can turn around and tell people in particular, people that have dealt with other law firms before, right? Like they're going to get the difference, right? Uh, If they're using you for the first time, maybe not. Right. Um, And we've talked about that before. I don't like doing AdWords for people that have never done AdWords before. Yeah. um, For the same reason, like, you know, uh, they don't appreciate how good we are. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, it requires a lot of time to educate them. Yeah. Right. And if they've been through the process once before, that's, that's time I'm not having to spend. Yeah. Right? And, um, and you know, uh, I'd like to think I'm a good teacher, but the teaching part, I don't get paid for as much. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so anyways, number six, uh, is polish and the kind of, you know, the, the 10 seconds on this is this whole flow, this whole foundational approach to the peas. Um, needs constant refinement, right? Like there's so many variables at play at each step 
from the market changing to the customer attitudes changing to you finding out more about who you are as a business, right? Yeah. Um, and the kind of work you want to do and the kind of work you don't want to do. Um, that there's always a need to to go back and start with people and and work your way all the way back up this this ladder again and and each time as as the business matures you've got better information more information to use to to pinpoint where you're doing a little bit better yeah it's one of those things that i think people your consumers like like mine want i'm like oh can it be a thing you do once and then be done (laughs) but that's just not a thing that's why you outsource (laughs) <laughs> that's that's right well it, you know it always can be something that's like um it, a great for like that annual company retreat kind of thing yeah. right like if if you've got some things you do at the first of each year or with like you know at your slow season in between trust falls and escape yeah. rooms <laughs> right or you talk about how bad your culture is right <laughs> <laughs> like um no you know there's there's certain guideposts that exist and i think in every business that can kind of remind you to do this and the nice thing about being a freelancer is you can kind of do this constantly, right? Like to change isn't as much of an undertaking as if you need to hire like, you know, consultants to come in and do the trust falls, yeah. right? Like you can just change. Yeah. Like, um, and that's incredible and an incredible advantage in the marketplace, right? That's like, true. Um, if you're competing against other bigger entities, yeah, um, they're going to be doing all this bureaucratic crap and you can just run out and get in front of the line. Yeah. So. Um, well, so I've talked a lot, obviously what, what questions, are there any questions that come to mind or any challenges you guys have experienced as you've kind of gone through this process? No, I mean, I think that you, you lined out a lot of things I haven't thought about, um, effectively yet. Um, and I think that, you know, promise and everything will be a big part of our um, messaging will be like sophisticated business attorneys who are also business owners and will um, do the things then you're, you know, we do it ourselves. <laughs> so, yeah, um, right. and, and then just taking a couple risks to stand out. Like I've been kind of toying with the idea of small things like uh, making our bios short and funny. Cause right now, I mean, it's common in lawyer bios for them to be like, blah, 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 represents like labor and employment. And, you know, just says a million different types of law that you practice for like paragraphs and paragraphs. Yep. And I think that's a slightly misguided attempt at SEO. <laughs> yeah. So um, you're trying to just throw in every buzzword <laughs> that you possibly can. And I've been told to do that at other firms as well. Just like, keep adding because you want it to come up if somebody Googles your name. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. I, w- I would imagine that's a lack of understanding people, like the, the person that doesn't want to turn away any work. Right. You know, they want to be like, oh, well, if someone calls, I'll, I'll do that too. Right. You know? Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's both. <laughs> well, yeah. Fair. But so I've been kind of toying with the idea of saying, you know, the firm, we practice all these areas and we're going to tuck that away in case you're a lawyer or in your like, are these the right people that we need to, <laughs> that we can refer to? Mm-hmm. And you, you know, the lingo and you want to go and look at it there. You know, we can have a whole page that's just like. A description of our practice areas, but then on our actual bios, just having short, you know, maybe one or two paragraph um, good descriptions of who people are as people and, and how you would find interacting with them. Yeah. You know, like um, John's very affable and his desk is messy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. type of things. Um, so maybe standing out would be a better thing than just trying to 
match everybody on websites. Yeah. Or, or, you know, defining again, like almost at an individual level, there's an opportunity for that kind of brand promise that says like, this is the kind of work I do and I do it this way yeah. and you can count on that. Uh, yeah. versus like telling me what you think I want to hear. And I know that's not true. And that's the same thing everyone else has told me too. And, yeah. and we could say things that are true and different about us too, which I hadn't thought about before. Like we send out our own invoices, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, like longer the days. I mean, that's a pain point I would imagine for a lot of yeah. people that have used uh, law firms before is getting these huge bloated yeah. invoices that you're surprised by and you have to go and call your person and then they, you know, mark it down or change it because of reasons. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. Uh, Just like, yeah, no surprises. We, we send our own invoices. We answer our own phones. I think some stuff like that is, is super interesting. And it positions you guys in a place that like the bigger firms, bigger firms aren't going to do that, right? No, like, they could never like do they, that, right? They can't say that. And if they change, if they like, if, like the managing partner came up tomorrow and said, Hey, guess what? We're going to do this thing. Yeah. Everyone, there'd be like a revolt and like pitchforks and yeah. torches. It'd be really um, problematic. So yeah. You've interesting. Given me a lot of really good things to think about. It's just avenues are difficult for us. A lot of, um, even one of the people I work with, work with is always like, we, uh, I've never gotten a client from the interwebs from pushing buttons on the internet <laughs> yeah. whatever. and, um, you're like, yeah, your internet presence sucks. <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Well, catch 22. <laughs> <laughs> Just by the way you phrase that, I can tell this is, yeah. isn't something you enjoy doing yeah. and that probably shows. It doesn't surprise me, but it doesn't mean that it's like there's something flawed with getting clients through the internet. <laughs> That's not where the breakdown is. Oh God, the internet's broken. <laughs> <laughs> My Wi-Fi. <laughs> Need to take it into the store. Yeah. And, and what's, what's funny about all of this kind of stuff, right? Is there's not like per se a right and wrong. Yeah. Like if you're that guy, be that guy, like yeah. be a hundred percent of that guy yeah. and find other people that want to do business with that guy. Yeah. Right. Like, cause they exist obviously. Totally. Um, the, the challenge is, you know, I think is just when you can't commit to any one thing and you get lost in this just, you know, pit of, of like all the other companies, you know, that's probably true. And that's a good point. The only thing is if, if you are that, if you are that guy and that guy is like, tech averse <laughs> then mm -hmm. um eventually your your scope of clients gets more and more narrow as people get younger and younger die yeah. right yeah <laughs> so then all your clients die and you're like that that like kids book about the dinosaur called all my friends are dead yeah well if if you are 30 in that person that's yeah <laughs> you get some classes right like yeah. if if you're 65 in that person well yeah. you know things will just kind of evolve yeah. naturally do what right? we're doing with our broken website and ride it into the grave <laughs> <laughs> exactly what's the best website for you <laughs> oh. <laughs> just take that yellow page ad and just write it on out have your secretary answer those calls and you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. That was really, really helpful. I think you, um, I like your set, your alliteration and everything. I'm glad. Hope it is. Uh, if you've listened to this episode and this has brought up questions for you, uh, fire them our way. Um, unfederated.studio slash 22. You'll find some show notes to this episode. 
including, uh, I actually got interviewed on the same topic, uh, some month ago, maybe, um, in kind of a different context. And so talked about some of the same things in a different way and the different lens might be helpful for, for some folks if this is interesting to you. So I'll include the link to that video in the show notes on studio slash 22. 22. We're nearing the age in which you can rent a car. Oh my gosh. Are we at the age yet where you can uh, go by yourself on a cruise? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> That's a good one. That's obscure and one I'd not yeah. considered. Uh, it's always front of my considerations. Because <laughs> of your uh, strong cruise habits. Yeah, well, yeah, underage cruise habits. <laughs> That's right. Have you ever been on a cruise? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. But I will be a sailor soon, hopefully. So, having attended a cruise, I would suggest I would suggest you never go on one because they're terrible. You're not the first person to say that. I think people are either cruise people or not cruise people, and with all due respect to the cruise people, I'm not a cruise person. Sam, my dad, told me that he worked it out. Uh huh. That. You could pay for being on a cruise 365 days a year for the same amount it costs to stay in a nursing home. <laughs> and I and I was like, well, that's when you cruise. <laughs> you got entertainment every night, like room service, your bed turned out. <laughs> I'm astonished by that because that is requiring a lot of thinking. Yeah. And planning for such an <laughs> obscure thing. I don't know of him ever being on a cruise. I don't think he has. I think he's saving up. <laughs> wow. I had disappointment for his, his nursing home plans. <laughs> he's going to be just rocking the international waters. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd rather spend my money on that. Maybe that's why um, the ballroom dancing thing is going on. There, there you go. He might do life. quite well there. <laughs> I think it's brilliant, uh, and that's, I think, probably the best place for cruise travel is yes. in lieu of a nursing home. <laughs> mm -hmm. They can just dirty out to sea. <laughs> Things go sideways. Uh, Sarah, what's one thing you might ask our listeners to do before we go? I would love it if our listeners would give us a good review on iTunes so that we are easier to find by additional new listeners. That is awesome. You can do that right into your podcast app. If you are one of the 83% of our listeners that uses the podcast app, it's closer than you might think. Mm. Mm. All right. Good chatting. <laughs> Have a good week. You too. Bye.